This is a podcast from Minute Media. Silver and Black Flashback with your host, author of the Raiders Encyclopedia, Rich Schmelter. As always, Murph, thanks so much, my friend. Okay, Raider Nation, let's get to it. Now, on the last episode of Silver and Black Flashback, we delved into the career of Cliff Branch and his amazing speed that won him state championships in the 100 and 220-yard dashes as a high school track star in Texas before setting records in the same events while in college and then as one of the NFL's all-time greatest wide receivers. Now, on this episode of Silver and Black Flashback, we are going to the other side of the offensive spectrum to tell the story of a pair of punishing fullbacks named Marv Hubbard and Mark Van Egan otherwise known in Raiders history as the Colgate Connection. Colgate University in Hamilton, New York, is known as one of the top campuses of higher learning and not a pipeline for professional football teams. Regardless of that, two of the football program's star running backs made it clear out across the country to Oakland, California, and each punished defenses throughout the entire decade of the 1970s. A six-foot-one, 235-pound battering ram who powered his way through defenses with bone-jarring bursts, Marv Hubbard was one of the toughest offensive weapons of his time. Born on May 7, 1946, in New York State, Hubbard was a star football player at Randolph Central High School before going off to Colgate. On his way to earning a degree in economics, Hubbard ran for 1,891 yards in three varsity seasons. In his junior season of 1966, he scored 88 points to rank 6th in the country in that category. He came to the Raiders out of Colgate University as their 11th round selection of the 1968 draft, but was cut before he had a chance to play in a regular season game. At that time, Hubbard lacked speed and blocking skills. The team already had Hewitt Dixon at fullback and Roger Hagberg as his backup. So Hubbard then tried to latch on with the Denver Broncos during training camp. With Floyd Little as their power back, coupled with having a problem with a teammate, he was released on August 19, 1968. In an attempt to hone his skills, Hubbard went back east and played minor league football with the Hartford Knights of the Atlantic Coast Football League. He signed with the Knights in early September and was in uniform by the second game of the 1968 season. Hartford's coach, Fred Walner, was a firm believer in the running game, which was a perfect fit for Hubbard. After his 230-pound frame exploded off the snap of the ball, he dropped his shoulder and made it very difficult for opponents to get at his ground-pounding legs. Needless to say, his punishing approach was very impressive, and he became a favorite among his teammates. Hubbard's punishing running style helped the Knights win 11 out of 12 regular season games and the team won the league championship over the Virginia Sailors. In addition to winning a championship, Hubbard led the league in rushing with 899 yards and was an easy selection to the all-league team. After a solid season, he began receiving offers from the pro ranks. However, it was the Oakland Raiders that still owned the rights to him, so they brought him back out to the West Coast, moved Roger Hagberg over to tight end and created a spot for him on the roster, and Hubbard remained a diehard contributor for the Raiders from 1969 through 1975. He established himself as a tough, brutal runner who inflicted punishment with his thrusts into an opposing defense. 
He was especially dangerous, pounding the ball between the tackles to wear the defense down. When the plays 68 and 69 boom man were called in the huddle, Hubbard's face had a huge smile on it. And the reason for that smile was that he knew the ball was going to be placed into his hands and that within a few seconds, his body was about to slam into defenders, inflicting more pain on them than on his own body. He was tough and truly enjoyed possessing that trait. To absorb as much impact as possible, Hubbard wore a big set of shoulder pads, usually designed for linemen. He tested equipment out to see just how it would hold up to his punishing thrusts and patted himself to provide extra protection from jolts. He also broke about a dozen helmets throughout his career due to his bone-jarring runs. Hubbard gave his all in every game he played, but always seemed to step it up a notch against the hated Kansas City Chiefs, especially against middle linebacker Willie Lanier. The future Hall of Famer from the Chiefs and Hubbard staged some vicious collisions over their playing days against each other, with some of those hits being heard clear up into the stands. His punishing play alone earned him his rightful place in Raider lore. However, he decided to add to it off the field by displaying a unique brand of celebrating after an Oakland victory. After enjoying some adult beverages at a local bar, Hubbard would walk next door to a business and then slam his fist through a front window. He always prided himself in being able to remove his hand without cutting it on the jagged glass. He accomplished this for some time until Oakland head coach John Madden finally put an end to it after the owner of the business threatened to call the police. It was probably on Madden's mind also that his star fullback might have his luck run out one day and that his hand would come out of the incident looking like ground meat which would have put a severe damper on his availability. And by the way, Marv Hubbard always paid to have the window fixed. He also enjoyed a good fight, and back where he came from, he would go into a bar, have a drink, get into a fight, knock a guy down, and then pick him up off the floor and buy him a drink. Boom! Instant friends after that. He also enjoyed riding his Harley Davidson through a bar during his Raider days. And just for the record, the Harley-Davidson was not going all that fast, but still, once again, he rode his motorcycle into a bar. After leading the team in rushing from 1971 through 1974, he was hampered by a shoulder separation that never healed properly. To help him continue to get out onto the field, a belt was wrapped around his ribs and tied to the belt on his pants so that his arm would not go very high and slip out of its socket. He spent the 1976 season on injured reserve, but did receive a Super Bowl ring when the Raiders won the Super Bowl that year. He returned for one more year in the NFL with the Detroit Lions in 1977. After seeing reduced playing time with the Lions, Hubbard retired following the 1977 season. He was so proud to have played an important part in the Renegade Raiders style that if he did not have to take his uniform after a game, it would have remained on him always. He loved the experience, and all of those in Raider Nation who witnessed his performances felt the same way. After his playing days were complete, Hubbard briefly became a country musician and songwriter. In 1978, he released a song entitled, Fullbacks Ain't Supposed to Cry. He played in celebrity golf tournaments, was a computer programmer, and worked for a few insurance companies in Hartford, Connecticut. On May 4, 2015, Just three days shy of his 69th birthday, Marv Hubbard died from complications while battling cancer in Walnut Creek, California. 
While Hubbard was in his prime days as a Raider, another punishing running back was getting attention at Colgate University. From Cambridge, Massachusetts, to his induction into the Scholar-Athlete Hall of Fame, the 6-foot-2-inch, 223-pound Mark Van Egan is an excellent example that brains and brawn can go together successfully. Born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, on April 19, 1952, near the prestigious Harvard University, Van Egan excelled in the classroom while earning All-State and All-America honors as a running back at Cranston High School in Rhode Island. He then made his way to Colgate University, and while pursuing a degree in economics, Van Egan also pursued Colgate rushing records, and upon graduation, he was successful at obtaining both. He broke a 25-year-old Colgate rushing record by running for 2,591 yards in three varsity seasons. In his senior season of 1973, he became the first running back in school history to gain over 1,000 yards in a single season, and his 14 rushing touchdowns, also in 1973, broke Marv Hubbard's previous school record of 13 set seven years earlier. After his senior season, Van Egan was selected to play in the East-West Shrine game. There, watching practice on a rainy San Francisco day, was none other than Raiders owner Al Davis, who possessed more football knowledge than virtually every other team owner in the history of the game. The Raiders selected Van Egan in the third round of the 1974 draft, much to the surprise of many NFL scouts. The scouting reports on him from around the league claim that he was not big enough or strong enough to pound the ball between the tackles like an NFL fullback was required to do. However, none of that mattered to Al Davis because after observing Van Egan during a workout in San Francisco, he came away extremely impressed with the Colgate product. When Van Egan arrived in Oakland, Hubbard was still firmly entrenched as the team's starting fullback, and there was no way the rookie was going to overthrow the veteran for his job in 1974, so he accepted a backup role for the time being. But he almost did not want to accept any type of role with the Raiders at first, for he found his first training camp to be a bit wild when he arrived for it in July. A player strike was going on at the time in 1974, and only free agents and rookies were there battling hard to impress the coaches. And why not? Anyone in their right mind with an opportunity like that would give it their all for a successful chance at professional football. But to the cerebral Van Egan, this style of practice was a brutal experience every single day, and it made him extremely depressed. One day, he just sat in the shower and thought he did not need this kind of life. It was never a dream of his to play professional football, and he felt that he did not go to college for this. Once again, Colgate was a very prestigious university and known for academia and not a breeding ground for NFL players. But all that changed in August when the veterans reported back after the strike, and one of those vets changed Van Egan's thinking. And it was none other than Marv Hubbard who helped out Mark Van Egan. He took a liking to the young fullback from his alma mater and began teaching him things about being a fullback in the NFL. Always an exceptional student, Van Egan listened and learned throughout his first two seasons. When the Raiders opened their 1976 training camp, Van Egan was still considered the number two fullback on the depth chart. However, during the preseason, Hubbard changed all that when he suffered his third shoulder separation in one year. The reoccurring injury put Marv Hubbard on the injured reserve list and left Oakland without a starting fullback. 
This opened the door for Van Egan to provide the team with solid running between the tackles and also blocking and catching the ball out of the backfield. There was no doubt that Mark Van Egan was inexperienced when the season began, but by the end of it, he was the dependable fullback that Oakland had always counted on in the past. With explosive power, quickness of foot, and the blocking up front from the greatest offensive line ever assembled, the former Colgate product powered his way for 1,012 yards in the Raiders' first Super Bowl winning season. And along the way, he proved that he no longer lacked experience or was too light to take the pounding of such a demanding position. He continued to do an outstanding job over the next four seasons. He might have had a docile personality compared to his life-on-the-wild-side Raider teammates, but Van Egan was a true Raider on the field. Whether it was running, blocking, or catching passes, he excelled and became one of the best examples of what a fullback should be with a stiff arm blast as a major weapon coupled with his explosive short bursts and quickness. In 1977, he ran for a then-team record of 1,273 yards to lead the American Football Conference in rushing and earned a Pro Bowl spot for himself. The following year, his 1,050 yards made him the first Raider running back to top the 1,000-yard rushing barrier for three straight seasons. In 1980, he ran for 838 yards, added 259 more in four playoff games, and helped Oakland secure another Super Bowl championship. His 107 consecutive game streak ended in 1981 due to missing most of the season with injuries. Stickham was a product used mostly by baseball players to get a better grip on their bats. It was also used by pole vaulters and weightlifters. It is a sticky yellow goo that was made famous with the Raiders by Hall of Fame receiver Fred Belitnikoff and later by cornerback Lester Hayes. Mark Van Egan also delved into the Stickham to better secure the ball. It worked, and it also gave him the nickname of Grass Monster, because by the end of the first few offensive series of a game, he was covered with grass that stuck to the gooey mess. He also got so nervous before games that he would throw up before the opening kickoff. By 1982, the Raiders had moved to Los Angeles and were looking to rebuild a team that was getting old after posting their first losing season in 17 years. They took a major step toward injecting youth into their running game by selecting Heisman Trophy winner Marcus Allen with their first draft pick of the 1982 draft. With a running back of Marcus Allen's magnitude coming into the silver and black fold and Van Egan suffering from five seasons of constant beatings, the Raiders felt that their chances were better with Allen leading the running attack. The Raiders released Van Egan before the 1982 season. He left the team as their all-time leading rusher with 5,907 yards and scored 35 touchdowns. He added 162 receptions for 1,467 yards and three more touchdowns to his professional resume. He did manage to return to the area in which he grew up when the New England Patriots claimed him off waivers before the first game of the 82 season. Following two seasons with the Patriots, Mark Van Egan retired after nine years of professional football. And that wraps up the Raiders' Colgate connection. As always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Silver and Black Flashback. And as always, here it comes, wherever you are listening from, love your Raider Nation!
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.